What's up, everyone? Welcome to the NG English Show. Hi, 大家好，欢迎回到 NG 英文。我是 Stephanie。今天的来宾 James， 他是 Bubble Eye 公司的共同创办人以及营运长。接下来就让我们来欢迎 James。I am joined today by the man, the myth, the legend, <laughs> Mr. James. James is hello the co-founder and COO of an incredible company called Bubble Eye. James has been living in Taiwan for a few years now. He is a lifelong learner, a lover of tech and all things pushing the boundaries, and so much more. So, everyone, please welcome James. Whoa! Hello, everyone. Hey. Boom! What's up, man? Not much. Not much. Very happy to be here. Dude, nice studio. Thank you. Thank you.、Yeah. It's it's been really cool to get to connect with you. You've been. Just an awesome new friend in my life, new acquaintance in my life, and have connected me to some really fun people here in Taiwan. And I just love your network that you have created for yourself here in Taiwan. Yeah,、uh, I think that actually it's an easy part because I feel like you know there's a lot of people in Taiwan that are here to build community, that are here to build things, and so it's very easy to find people that are interested in learning new things, like you said, and building new things. And so I feel like just by taking a step out there and like looking for networking events, you can really Build a large network of people around you. Yeah, man, and it's it's great. It's it's really an inspiration, I think, to Taiwanese and foreigners listening to that because I think sometimes the hurdle of figuring out where to go to network, how to meet people, you know, especially for the startup scene, it's it can be a little daunting. But you seem to have navigated it so well, and I'm hoping you can share a little bit about that journey as we progress with the interview. But I was hoping we could start today with kind of a high level. Who is the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. James? Well, I、uh, grew up in Northern California. My parents、yeah. are old hippies, and mine too. Yeah, mine are deadheads. Oh, mine are not deadheads.、Okay. Mine are older than that.、Oh, nice. <laughs> my,、uh, you know, my parents were at. My mom was at Berkeley in the in 1969, and after that, they got kind of disillusioned. They moved off grid. So off grid means that、uh, you know we don't have our own power, or we have our own power that comes from solar panels only.、Uh, we have our own well. You know, live off in the mountains. So it was always very nice, you know, growing up. Like, oh, do we have enough energy to like turn the PlayStation on? <laughs> and then I also kind of got exposed to tech. So even though we did live off grid, my mom was always very interested in the internet. Just from day one, you know, we had Windows three point one, Windows ninety five, went through the whole thing.、Uh, played a lot of video games growing up, and、uh, even actually back, I think sometime in like middle school, I made my first video game. I remember actually elementary school. I don't know. I remember they had these like kind of like building block style、uh, programs you could do where they would like have like a cheat sheet and you would like write all the commands and it would build a little video game for you. That's so、remember、cool. Making Pong or something like that. Yeah, so then I went、uh, kind of into other things, and after I went to UCLA, I went to Beijing for a summer program, and I found a part-time job at a mobile game company there. I started working with them and worked on titles that were pretty big. There were mobile games with maybe like 10 million active users, maybe 500,000 daily active users. These were like farming games and、uh, also some strategy games. I love those. And then I moved on to、uh, some bigger Chinese companies, working more with mobile games. And at this time, I was getting very into advertising part of marketing, so more into like the paid media, buying ads, which is where I met my co-founder in Beijing.、Uh, he's a foreigner, also from or no, not also from California. He's from Italy, and he was also doing mobile gaming in Beijing. And we started talking about like how can you optimize your ads. And he at the time had a recommend recommendation engine he'd been working on. Which we started talking about how could we turn this into something you could use to buy ads on 
DSPs, which are a type of network you can buy ads on. Anyways, we then connected up, and within a month, we had found an investor, William Balbean, who runs what used to be called Mox, now yeah. called Orbit's. And he invited us to Taiwan six years ago. Oh, I didn't know they changed. They pivoted their name. They did. They so are Mo- now called Orbit. Okay, Orbit. So Mox yeah. was, they were at Taipei Tech Arena, I believe, here in the city, right? Yeah. And now called Orbit. Okay, good. Right, Thank right. you for that. So yeah, he invited us here six six years ago, and we were like, oh, we'll go for a month, you know, do this uh, little accelerator. Came here, we hired, well, we didn't hire, we ran into somebody named Bruce, uh, who became our part, our, uh, sorry, our CTO and he's now a co-founder as well. So the three of us really are the three co-founders that started Bubble Eye and we're still in Taiwan to this day. So this is our HQ. This is the, the main place we call home. So cool, man. It's it's really interesting what you just said, though. Your your parents were the hippies. You guys were off-grid, but you're also fascinated about technology. What do you think was that kind of early origin story of being off the grid but still being curious about the technology advancements? Well, I have to give it to my mom. That was her. Uh, my dad, you know, didn't, you know, he still types on keyboards like this. Same with my father. Yeah. <laughs> but my mom was interested. She just never like a very hardcore tech user, but just never shy to like get the newest thing and, and try it out. I'm not really sure because looking at it now, she seems like she's fairly disinterested in computers, but she always has them around or uses them or tries to do new things with them, I guess. And then as a kid, you very quickly get into like using it pretty heavy, right? So I remember the computer was like this thing that she had. It was kind of interesting. Maybe she didn't really care too much about it. And meanwhile, I'm changing the background. Oh, I got to install this new game on it. Uh, you know, really uh, messing with the stuff. I just love it. The, the early days of when you could really, it's I guess what equivalent to what kids are using these days, like Minecraft, right? These kind of, what's another one? Minecraft. Roblox. Roblox. Thank you. Yeah. It's this kind of hacking style of breaking something down, figuring out how you can modify it and change it. And you were doing that on some of the earlier computers. I love that. So six years ago, got to come to Taiwan and made it, made it HQ and now have an awesome company. You guys are working with foreigners here, with Taiwanese and really live in the Taiwanese dream in my mind, like started a company here and now are getting, you know, doing that a natural like language exchange almost in the office and hanging out and creating those memories. Yeah, we work uh, mostly in English in the office for the kind of more uh, client facing side. And then we also have uh, people in our company that speak mostly Chinese and they work on the tech side. So of course, any communication across the bridge, you know, has to be Worked on, you know, so we're not a big enough company that we have like translators or anything. So everybody has to work together and find ways to communicate. I think everybody in the company does speak Chinese. So sometimes we will switch into Chinese for some meetings. Uh, and then mostly it's done in English. It's so cool, man. The natural language exchanges. James 那他认为只要踏出那一步去参加社交场合、network events，就能认识很多人，并且建立自己的人脉。那James他来自于北加州，他的父母都是嬉皮hippies。那刚刚John有提到的Deadhead，其实是在指一个乐团叫The Grateful Dead的死忠粉丝。那因为他们在七零年代的时候都会跟随这个乐团，然后四处旅游去看他们表演，因此他们有这个名字产生。但James的父母其实算是更早以前那种嬉皮。那其实他们会选择过上一个很特殊的生活，就是因为他们突然有一天，他妈妈有一种醒悟 disillusion 
，然后就决定搬到山上去，然后只使用太阳能的供电，还有自己的水井。那这个行为就称之为 off grid， 有点像是脱离社会的感觉。但 James 与他的母亲一直对于科技都很有兴趣，所以像是 PS 游戏机跟网络都还是有的。那像他其实在国中的时候就创造了一款电动游戏，是那种简单的输入一个指令就能做出游戏的。他后来大学的时候读 UCLA 时，他暑假选选择去参加一个北京的暑期计划，并且在一个手游公司兼职。那他参与了一些非常大的计划，像是拥有一千万火药用户的，以及五千名日火药用户之类的游戏。那这一些像是农业游戏、策略游戏等等，他都有接触。那后来他去了更大间的公司，并且开始着重在行销广告部分，像是付费媒体投放广告。那他也是在这个时候遇到他现任的共同创办人。那他的共同创办人是一个意大利人，也是在北京做手游相关的产业。那他们就是那个时候在聊要怎么优化他们的广告。那当时的伙伴其实已经正在弄一个建议搜寻器，他们就开始在讨论说要怎么把这个东西使用在 DSP 一种可以买广告的网站上面。那之后一个月内，他们其实就找到了投资人。那这个投资人就是 Orbit 的执行长。那这间公司现在叫做 Mox。那其实是这位执行长在六年前的时候邀请 James 来台湾。那当时他本来是想说过来一个月加入一个加速器 Accelerator， 但没想到他又遇到了一位叫 Bruce 的人，也成为了他们的技术长与共同创办人。So thinking kind of about the origin of the company and and really just your own development as a co-founder, do you have any tips and advice for people thinking about starting up, or you know any struggles you had to overcome that were very important to you? Okay, so going back to the origin story of Bubble Eye, my co-founder and I we met at a networking event. So it was、uh. Beijing Game Industry Night because Beijing's got a big game industry. I wish Taiwan had a little bit heavier game industry.、Mm. So anyone that's interested in games or advertising, please reach out because I just love meeting people. But anyways,、uh, Beijing、yeah. Game Industry, we would go to these things and we, you know, you know, hang out, talk, discuss, and it was just one of these kind of like ideas that. Once you get started saying it, you say it like two, three times, and next thing you know, it's like a thing you're really thinking about, and it just gives you that space to be creative and to talk about new ideas. And without even realizing it, you're building a foundation for something that you could turn into a company.、Mm. And you think at the time, "Oh, I'm just saying whatever to my someone," and next thing you know, it's like six years later, and <laughs> you got a company based around it. So、uh, yeah, it can really happen. <laughs> I love it, and connecting it back to your your networking and just you know hanging out with some people, some like-minded people who are thinking how to optimize or think about you know a creative process for doing something differently, and then you're solving problems and you create a company. It's so cool, and like you said, you know where could maybe people meet up here in Taipei? Where do you kind of frequent different networking scenes here? Well, okay, so that's going to be hard for me to answer because it's definitely changed in the past year and a half with COVID. COVID, it definitely got. I mean, it was booming for a while when、uh, Taiwan had its locked borders and had this kind of、uh, renaissance of people who would come here and were staying here.、Yeah. And then when the lockdowns in Taiwan finally happened, like delayed by a year, then a lot of these networking events kind of stopped. So my first place I started going to networking events here was through SOSV, and that's the investor that、uh, runs Orbit, which is called Orbit now. And they put on. They used to put on like monthly happy hours, and that was a good way because they're an investor, so they want to find startups to give money to. So they will put on happy hours that invite lots of startups. They have free food, free alcohol, and that's important. Only go to the events that have free food. Yes, and、uh, that's kind of a good way to start meeting people because everybody there is kind of on your level, 
and the people that are not are still interested in you, right? So you end up with these investors who are interested in hearing what you're thinking about and other people who are also trying to create companies. And I think that's like a really good networking event to start with. Uh, there's also like meetups. Those are a little bit harder because you have to be very interested in the topic. Mm. Um, and they also can be a little bit less about networking and more about teaching. That's my, uh, right. what do you think? Yeah, yeah. I, I, that's an interesting take about the teaching. So it's almost more like there's maybe a panel or they're having some type of fireside chat and they're kind of sharing information, but it's not as interactive. And like, you, yeah, maybe there's like a 15 minute business card exchange at the end, but it's almost a little too formal in that way, right? Yeah. One thing you can do is you, if you go to these events, try to have like a goal in your head and just like, I'm going to walk away with like three people's line or three people's LinkedIn's. And then when you actually walk away with it, you message them later. You'd be like, hey, that was a great time meeting. Also, I like messaging people right after you meet them. So you can say, hey, it was great meeting you at the blah, blah, blah event tonight and talk to you about whatever. Because then, like, six months later, when you talk to this person for the first time, actually, mm. you'll have some memory of, like, oh, that's how I met that person, I remember. Yeah, I, I was at an event, speaking of this, and somebody was taking pictures with every person he was getting their contact of oh, and then messaging hit. it to him. It was, oh. a, it, was a little, it was a little, you know, maybe aggressive, per se, but I liked it because I actually didn't check all my messages until the next day, yeah. and I remembered exactly who that guy was because we have a photo together. That's pretty good, though. Yeah, yeah. so I, I thought, yeah, it's a very creative way to kind of make yourself a little different yeah. and stand out. and Making sure you go all the way to making the connection, not just, hey, I added you on LinkedIn and, you know, never going to remember who you are later, but taking that one more step to just, like, put yourself in the inbox and say, hey, because even for yourself, like, maybe it's somebody that you, you know, you're from then you're going to want to work with or going to want to have some other connection with for, you know, asking, hey, can you introduce me to someone else? So Yeah, yeah. And, and that's where I thank you again, because you have been so proactive with connecting me to new people. And you're like, hey, this is John, blah, 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 blah. And then it just, you know, if it's meant to blossom, it blossoms. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's uh, easy because you asked me about AI stuff. So I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's awesome. a few people. <laughs> <laughs> I have been very fascinated. So thank you. James 与他的共同创办人其实是在一个社交场合认识的，是在北京游戏产业职业。那对于想要参加这些社交场合的人 ，James 他的经历是这样：他其实发现这一年多来，因为 COVID 的关系，其实改变了蛮多。但是其实他来台湾的时候，第一个参加的就是 SNSV， 那这个是 Orbit 举办的。他们其实以前每一个月都会举办一个 Happy Hour， 但因为他们是投资人的关系，所以当然他们会想要找一些新创公司投钱。那其实这是一个很好的方式。那其实这种场合也可以遇到很多跟你在同一个水平上的人，当然也有一种形式叫做 meetups 聚会类型，但是这个的话就是可能要对主题真的比较感兴趣再去会比较好，因为它比较像是一种教学，而没有那么注重在认识人。那 James 给大家的建议就是，要去这种聚会的话，最好事先有一个目标，例如说这次要要到三个人的 line， 并且在交换之后就是要传个讯息跟他们说，哎，刚刚真的很高兴认识你，然后我们聊了什么什么什么之类的。那像 John 其实有遇过他觉得很酷的一个人，就是他会跟所有人交换联络方式的时候，跟他拍一个合照，并且传给对方。虽然说有一点侵略感 （aggressive）， 其实这是一个很有趣而且可以凸显自己的方式哦。Speaking of AI, you know, BubbleEye is is using certain components around artificial intelligence to kind of optimize. Can you share a little bit about that? Sure. I'm a little skeptical about some AI things in general, just to sure. start with.、Yeah. So I think that.、Uh, AI is a great term to that kind of encompasses a lot of things. It's kind of、and、like most the world of, it, of Web three and blockchain, right? Yes, <laughs> yes. I think it's also these things are at the end of the day they're tools. They're not 
people that are thinking for themselves. So I think it's always important to remember that. Good distinction. But uh, yeah, we've been doing things related to AI for a long time. Uh, we So at a high level, what BubbleEye does is that we help games who are mobile, mobile games, to buy and sell advertisements uh, across many different ad networks. Mm-hmm. These games are usually pretty big. They spend like 10 million, or sorry, 1 million to $10 million a month in advertising. And they kind of need to have a lot of decisions made. Maybe small decisions like what kind of bid to place on like a very small, you know, is it like one cent, 10 cents, $1 for this uh, source of traffic? And sometimes it's much higher. It's like, hey, where do I put my $100,000 into which buckets do I put my money? We help them along, all along the way to make these decisions. You said so beautifully there, James, like remembering that there's the human behind mm. the technology and it's it's a toolkit. It's it's a it's a resource for you and knowing how to optimize those things because you actually and your team are the ones that are fine tuning the algorithms to work best for your clients. Is that right? Yeah, I think that, again, it's 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 really a tool and, uh, you know, you can be very skilled at using the tool, but you still need to know how to use it and you need to have some training or you need to have some human in the loop with these kind of decisions. Mm, uh, you really see it with like, like Tesla is a good one because it, they keep saying they're going to do self-driving. But really at the end of the day, you do want somebody with their hands on the wheel. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think one day you will have Teslas driving themselves, but it doesn't mean that for other things that you won't usually want to have like a human checking in, seeing how it's doing and being aware of what it's doing and why it's doing it. Mm-hmm. Right. You need that engineer who's paying attention to what's happening. Yeah, yeah, well said. A human in the loop. I love that. Lighting表示它其实对于AI人工智慧相关的一些东西还是抱有一些疑问,skeptical,因为就像区块链,Web3这些,它只是一个工具,而不是像人类一样会思考。那Lighting其实它解释,Bubble 例如说资金要如何分配，要用在哪个平台，用什么形式之类的。那他们公司就会协助所有公司做这些大小决定。Where do you want to be focusing on? You know, with yourself and maybe with BubbleEye as a co-founder in 2023 and beyond. Well, I'll just speak personally at first. Like, I do love all this stuff about you know AI-generated images. Yeah. Uh, we've been looking at doing that for advertising and what we call creatives, which are advertising images. Uh, I think that stuff is super interesting. Um, I like a lot of this generative content. I think it'll be very interesting to see. This is the same as like being skilled. You have to be an artist to really use these things. It's not that it's impossible to use, but you need to have some type sense of like what is the art that you're trying to create with this AI and what is the end result that you want to have. And it's not going to be like if you want to get very specific about it, you have to be quite skilled in knowing what is the aesthetic you want, how is it going to be used. What is the content you're generating? What is the audience it's for? Yeah, beautifully said. It makes me kind of think of natural language processing. Like you need to be able to articulate what you want to that, you know, image generator. And if you can't actually say what you want exactly, it might not generate what you want. So having the human in the loop to be able to articulate what you really want can create amazing things. Well, at the end of the day, it's also that, I mean, you can generate something amazing, but maybe it's not amazing for me, right? It's like, Mm. it's kind of like at the end of the day, who is consuming this content, right? Is it, what is the audience? It's just like, you could write an amazing song, you could write an amazing rock song and give it to somebody who only listens to country music and they might not think it's a very good song, right? Yeah. It's it's all about the audience and the content fit. Yeah, really subjective. And 
And I think, you know, kind of piggybacking off that of, of staying true to what you actually care about, you know, not create that analogy of that rock song is like, hey, make sure, though, you are still making that rock song because you love rock. If yeah. you're making a country song, but you hate country, you're going to run into some problems. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> awesome, man. Have well, you played around with any of these uh, yeah. these tools? Yeah, like yeah. Dolly and all them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I have a, an account with Dolly and um, I, you know, I'm kind of active in the, the blockchain community. So I do a lot of advising stuff for, for NFT projects. And mm-hmm. A lot of them are thinking about, you know, how to, how to use this to, to create art. And it's, it's an interest. it's wild times. Yeah. yeah. Well, what, okay. So that's something I'd like to start doing in 2023 is like web three. Uh, it's, I think it's cooled off enough that I think it's good time to step in for us because mm. it was way too hot and way too, yes. you know, I couldn't tell which parts were, untrue and which parts were true yes and i think this is going to be a good time if anybody else out there is interested too like because things are going to be shrinking over the next few years with uh nft and blockchain related projects it's actually a better time to get involved Mm. because a lot of the junk is going to go away yeah great advice yeah let the the hype kind of cycle fade away and and now you'll see who's really in there for, for the build 因为他觉得某一种程度上，创作的人就是一位艺术家，他得学习如何运用这个技术，用途是什么，创作出来的东西又是什么，以及想要接触的观众是谁。有点像是他们得知道要如何精准的对电脑表达他们想要传达的。那
work very heavily in English. Right. So I've actually ha- felt like there's so much good English speaker, so many good English speakers in Taiwan that my Chinese has actually gotten a lot worse because I just was not forced to speak Chinese anymore. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I feel that. I feel that. Do you remember anything that kind of helped you along that that language journey, though? Anything, any tips yeah. or advice? That oh, you yeah, yeah. Working in the language was, mm. for me, the biggest jumps. I remember sitting in, like, a, I don't know if you guys know, QQ group, and I could tell somebody was, like, kind of throwing shade, saying not super nice things about me in a QQ group. And I remember going home and, like, copy-pasting out the whole conversation into a document and translating every single little piece of it. So I was like, what was that about? And it's like, like that's the level of language learning where you're just like, I'm so interested in what this word means right now. And not just like, oh, yeah, I kind of vaguely understood what was going on. But like, no, no, I want to know, like, what was being said. That's fascinating. I, lo- I love it. Throwing shade. That's a good one <laughs> for, oh, yeah. for our audience. Yeah. But yeah, you're catching a paragraph and actually going home and breaking it down because you're like, hey, I really want to understand. You're invested in it. You're, you're very invested, invested yeah, in it. Yeah, it's an emotional, it's a visceral response that you're having. Yeah. And now, you know, here in Taiwan, as you said, it's, 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 your, your company is still kind of working sometimes in Chinese. Is that right? Yeah, but not very much, to be honest. Uh, so we work a lot in English. I'd say it depends like what your role is. So if you're working with us as like an account manager, then it has to be English. And so we don't expect somebody to be fluent in English, but it, you need to be able to communicate clearly about precise information in English. But if you're working on the tech team, it's more about your ability to communicate with your peers. And in that case, it's, you know, if you don't speak English, it's fine. It's just that... Uh, you know, kind of depends what your role in the company is. So, you know, actually, we are currently looking for several roles. One of them is if you are interested in working in English would be an account manager type position. We will call these like data analysts or account manager or customer success manager. But really, these are people that are probably fresh graduates within one or two years of college. And you're interested in working in marketing or advertising. Uh, we have both internships and actual paid positions, depending on your level of experience. So just feel out, feel free to reach out and uh, connect with me. Meanwhile, we also have a lot of developer positions. So if you know Scala, JavaScript, Python, interested in data, interested in engineering, PostgreSQL, any of these things, feel free to reach out. I love it. Or just reach out because he's a cool dude. <laughs> <laughs> 来宾在过去的六年当中，其实一直准备着要离开台湾。但突然某一个时刻，他发现他其实蛮喜欢台湾的。那至于他的中文，其实来到台湾之后反而变差了。因为他在北京的时候，当地人的英文都没有很好，所以他大概有百分之九十以上的时间都是要用中文。那他来台湾之后，因为他两位创办人都会英文，再加上他客户非常国际化，所以基本上都是用英文居多。大家觉得其实学
And it's, you know, there's been a couple of times in my life where I didn't listen to myself and I listened to other people. And I think those are times I, I kind of was disappointed looking back that I just didn't follow through with what I knew was the correct thing for me to do. It's very easy to kind of listen to other people and be like, okay, I'll do what they want me to do. At least for me, that's like a, something I struggle with. Whereas I think that sometimes you need to have a strong backbone and be like, no, even though they, even though I, I respect them and I want to follow what they said, it's better for me to listen to myself. 来宾会给年轻人自己的建议，就是要聆听自己的心，做自己想要做的事情。因为在人生当中，他有几次听了别人的话而不是自己的，而现在回过头去看，他觉得有点失望。因为他当时并没有照着自己认为是对的方向走，但他认为其实有时候要有点 backbone 骨气一点，但还是要聆听自己的声音比较重要。那最后，如果想要踏入 AI 产业的人，就快去投履历吧。那我们就谢谢今天的来宾 James。Awesome, James. Well, where can people find more about your company, or where can they find you on LinkedIn so, or social media? Yeah, so LinkedIn, you can find me James O'Clair. Bubble Eye everywhere on the internet, but、uh, BubbleEye.com. Great to kind of hear about your networking journey and everything you've been doing here in Taiwan and really the world. And congratulations, and I wish you nothing but continued success. Bye bye. See ya.